Race matters. 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 This audio series is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri Waiwurrung people of the Kulin Nations and is being broadcasted on the unceded Karigal land. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We acknowledge their enduring and continued connection to the land and the waterways. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia. This is Jasmine, Rat Ki Rani for Race Matters. This audio series is conceptualized, produced and edited by me. For this and the next few episodes, I'll be introducing you to stories of fellow migrant sex workers of color. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this audio series are by migrant sex workers of color who speak for themselves and not for the entire community. We do not take responsibility for how the audience perceives us or our stories because we are not here to please. We are a work in progress and our thoughts, views and opinions are subject to change. We do not intend to hurt anyone's feelings. Your feelings are your responsibility. What are the words that come to you when you think of a migrant sex worker? Submissive, subservient, uneducated, unaware, third world mentality, not cool enough, hard to talk to, poor communications, unhygienic, smells like curry, is comes from countries of rape culture, too nice, she only gets booked because she's Asian, a fetish, exotic, someone with an accent, poor, poor communication skills, junky, falls, lies about where she comes from, from a country of slums, no experience, politically she incorrect, only talks about India, do you think your husband will enjoy you after yeah, all this, no people from other countries, don't know how to respect our body. They get married young. She's loud. She looks very straight to She's me. She's intrusive. You must love Someone the money. Docile. To do lists complete. Slept they with an Indian girl. They just don't know how girl. to adjust she or assimilate. Indian food. Is your price same as the white girls? White men go for them because they know they don't have a chance to carry trauma and are abused. White women struggle too. are very independent for an Indian woman like them will teach us what standards we should have. Do you do this for money? You're so brave to do sex Indian work. Don't do sex. A girl work. like you Will shouldn't you marry be a white man for a citizen. shorten your name for me. Why please? are you not out as a sex worker? Are you ashamed you to be not one? Like us. I don't know how to talk to them. Can we all speak English here? If you can't afford to live here, go back if to you where you came If you can afford from. to come here, I'm sure you can afford to live back home. You too. must be very privileged to come here. Everyone and study. is equal. Everyone struggles. In India, the sex workers I met taught me that the first step towards revolution is the revolution of self-worth. 
that we cannot fight the world if we haven't fought with ourselves. The only thing that matters to us is how we see ourselves. Sex workers are not a monolith or an entity to be summed up. We are diverse and don't move as one. Our lived experiences do not have to be the same for us to be acknowledged or respected. We have all migrated and left our homes for diverse reasons. Just like our identities, our stories are complex. We speak in more than one language. Like our names, our words don't rhyme the same. Our struggles are shared, but our struggles are not the same. No longer are we going to wait for someone to pass us the mic. No longer are we waiting for someone to save us. No longer will we let anyone decide how our words should sound. We speak clearly. We affirm we are here to take space. We urge everyone from in and out of the industry to listen, to listen. Alana Akira is a 27-year-old Asian Melbourne-based independent sex worker. Alana moved to Australia in 2006 as an overseas student. She got her citizenship in 2015. She got into the industry through brothel work and soon moved to independent work. During COVID, Alana spent almost a year researching the pros and cons of the industry and eventually started working. Alana works full-time to pay debt, support herself and her parents. Challenging and destroying all stigma against Asian sex worker is Alana's top priority. So what was your first day at work like? What did you feel? So my first day at work was um, actually not really, okay, I, I will tell you the, the whole, the full story. So um, before entering the industry, I did do some research for, for one year about the industry. So I watch a lot of videos on YouTube of how to be an escort from Isabel Fox. And then I got in touch with um, a bunch of brothels in Melbourne and asked them if I could visit them. At the time, I was completely new to the industry, so I have no idea what it is like. And one of the brothels that I went to visit was an Asian brothel near my house. And the host um, said, if I can start work like straight away. So I told her that I can come back the next day. But in my mind for that day, I only wanted to go there just to sit there and see what it's like to be working at the brothel. So I wasn't actually ready to work, but before I arrived, she already had a few free bookings for me um, for that day. So I was very, I was very, um, I was very nervous on the first day at work because I wasn't actually ready, like mentally ready to work. But lucky, my very first client, he was very nice and he treated he treated me quite 
like gently and respectful. So I'm quite um, grateful for that. What advice would you like to give to migrant sex workers or non-English speaking sex workers? Okay, so um, I would say research, research and research a lot before um, entering this industry. So there's a lot of information on just on the internet um, um, about this industry. And I think knowledge is power. So if we don't know anything and we just jump straight in, it's so easy to be manipulative by the brothels by like other people and also um, visit so so I would recommend to actually start at an establishment first if when when you are new um, the reason for that is I think it it's safer because they they uh, it so they have some sort of security to help us and because this job it has a lot of um a lot a lot of risk so when we are new i would recommend to visit at least 3 to 5 different brothels in your area and just trust your gut so when you go to this brothel if you feel like the host or the receptionist on that shift um, that person, that, that lady um, or guy, uh, they were nice to to you. Then you can start at that place. And if they like, if they treat us you know, not nice, if they like rude or they kind of like a bit forceful, then stay away from that place. Yeah, so that would be my advice to new workers. I would also like to add... Um, that for sex work, it is actually a self-employed business. So uh, when you when you start it out, um, try like think think of it as a business. Yes. So we just before before you start like doing a lot of research for the new business, try different places and trust your gut. Also, I feel like as an Asian um, person, I would feel quite familiar to start at an Asian shops, especially like the one near my house, but it's, it's not good because I feel like um, in uh, most of the Asian brothels, they actually don't run professionally and also so they, they don't really treat the workers that nice. So it's best to try different places and choose the one that suits you the most or the one that you feel comfortable the most. So how has sex work made your life better? So I earn a lot more money than I did in a regular job. And my schedule is also so much flex, flexible. Um, which means I can choose when to work most of the times. So this gives me plenty of time to learn and get better at running my business. And also I have more time to be with my family, with my cats. And also I, I was in debt 
before I entered the industry. So sex work has made had helped me to pay off all of my debt. So now I'm debt free and I am in control of my finance. How has sex work made your life difficult? I have to lie to a lot of my close friends and relatives about what I do for work. And it is very training to keep a double life. And also I feel quite stressed um, sometimes because I do worry about what might happen if someone discovers my secret. How do you take care of your safety? Okay, so um, base in uh, do help me to protect my identity so people don't know that I'm in the industry. And I work independently at the moment. So it's I always tell a close friend or um, where I am when I have a booking uh, to to protect my safety. And also, I always screen clients thoroughly. I cannot share the details of how to do this because of um, safety reasons. Do you trust men, managers, cops, organizations, peers easily? So I don't. Um, it's, so especially men, managers and cops, I don't trust them easily um, because of the nature of my work. For organizations and sex worker peers, I do. However, I'm also um, quite like, cautious because someone might actually say they're a sex worker peers or they're from organizations that help sex worker, but they are actually not and they take advantage of um, lying that they are. Yeah, so I, I always like, I'm always cautious. What is one thing you'd like to change about the industry? Okay, so one thing that I would like to change about the industry is the understanding um, that sex work is work. It is a self-employed business and therefore we have the same rights as everyone else and we should be treated equally like everyone else um, because they, there's a lot of stigmas about the industry and especially it's specifically about Asian worker or migrant workers. Um, there's a lot of taboos about this this work. However, it is just work. It's just a, a self-employed business. How does the stigma particularly affect Asian sex workers? So we got paid less. And um, I will tell a, a personal story about this. So... Um, I, wor I worked at a brothel in Canberra and it was the first time that I felt so uh, so cheap because of the color of my skin. So at that, at that brothel, uh, as an Asian worker, I got paid less than my Caucasian well, um, colleagues um, at that shop. Yeah. So I, I really want to change this and I do not want this inequality keep happening um, in the industry. 
Why did you get in the industry and how did you feel about it? Okay, so I get into the industry during COVID and the reason for that was because I lost my regular um, job. So I, I did have a small business trial to COVID and I, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's not great um, because of COVID. So I couldn't work for one year. And prior to that, I've always curious, curious about sex work. And I do view sex work as a self-employed business. However, because I didn't know anybody who worked in the industry and because of my culture, I have a lot of bad stigmas about this industry. So it took me over one year to do research and to actually learn that, to, to, to learn about the industry and also to just to change my mindset about the stigmas around sex work. Um, so that's how I, how I enter the industry. Can you share a client story that changed your life for good? Okay, so a regular client of mine, whom I trust, has taught me how to be better at running my business. And because of his guidance, I am now reporting my um, income for taxes. Um, I, I am also planning my finances to buy a house. He's also shown me how to handle, how to organize my time, how to schedule and how to manage things like superannuation. So I've learned a lot from this particular client and I am very grateful for his help. Would you like to be a part of a sex worker-led union where we read, study and find new ways to support each other? Yes, absolutely. I would love to be part and contribute. Rosa is a South Asian migrant sex worker who has been a full-service sex worker for two years. She moved to Nam in 2016, almost seven years ago, as an international student. Rosa is yet to be a citizen. People always think Rosa is treating herself, but 90% of her money goes back to home to support her family, to help with their medical expenses, as well as debt they incurred to send her here. She is not quite financially secure, but still genuinely enjoys sex work for reasons other than dollar. She feels guilty to spend it on herself. One thing Rosa would like to change about the industry is the idea that anyone who does sex work is forced into it. She believes it is quite an empowering service. She does sex work because she needs the money. How has sex work made your life better? Before starting sex work, I feel like I was a very um, anxious person. I still am in some ways, but had a lot more body image issues. Um, working, you know, putting on the lingerie, putting on your wig, your makeup, speaking to the clients, all of that just brought out this boost of confidence in me that I didn't even know existed. 
just I feel like the best version of myself when I'm at work I love my clients I love my job I like what I do not even just talking to them I love how it makes me feel I have I love sex and I have really good sex at work and um, yeah I don't see a reason not to love work Um, also the financial freedom that you get with working just not having to worry about if you're going to make rent if you can you know afford your next meal Um, that's been like a big aspect but the confidence and how it's made me feel internally about myself about my body about who I am as a person and making me feel like I am good enough and I don't need to be anything more than who I am I feel like that's the main reason I love my job is the industry racist and anti-immigrant in what ways um i would say yes the industry is very racist and anti-immigrant um not just towards workers but also towards their clients where i work about 90% of our clientele is um people of color and just the way the workers talk about them behind their back the how the management talks about them behind their back when they're not around but you're literally making money off them um and how they treat you how they say things all the casually racist comments or like you're only getting a booking because you look a certain way um why do you lie about where you come from you know why do you like why do you have an accent why don't you have an accent oh i didn't realize you speak english so well like what people from other countries don't speak english i don't know um the comments are very common um there haven't been anything in a more aggressive sense in terms of racism but just because it's not aggressive doesn't mean it's not there um yeah i feel like a lot of the workers don't understand how privileged they are people you know white or australian they've got medicare they've got benefits they've got um center link and things like that but they don't really know what it's like to be an immigrant how much you have to struggle to firstly get into the country and how hard, how much harder you have to work compared to them or oh, like we struggle too i have mental health issues i have these issues and that like Yes you do but your struggles are not the same as ours and you know it's not a competition firstly but it's like two things completely they just think we're all like this one group of people who have the same issues but it's not to them uh you know they're finding ways to be oppressed finding reasons to have issues whereas yeah i just feel like they're trying sorry i don't want to be mean or rude when i say this but um no what their struggles are not the same as ours so at work do you feel confident in setting boundaries speaking your mind and sometimes calling out people when i first started working um i was too scared to call anyone out or even just speak my mind um i didn't want to get fired i really needed the money at the time and um i was just afraid of making a bad impression um but then eventually if i felt comfortable enough like i could insert myself in a conversation i would you know if they're racist to a client or if they say some you know they just everyone assumes that english is everyone's first language and most often it's just a language barrier or they're like oh they have you know they don't speak english like just because someone doesn't speak the same language doesn't mean they can't communicate or you know talking about the way some people smell like oh, i'm sorry they've just worked a 12 hour shift before coming in just put them in the shower it's fine it's got nothing to do with their race it's got nothing to do with their ethnicity it's just the fact that they've been working in like a hot kitchen for 12 hours 
Um, so yeah, I think there's like a lot of stereotypes going around that people talk about, but yeah. So I went from like not saying anything to then like slowly trying to be, you know, trying to be like, oh, trying to educate them, trying to be like, hey, maybe, you know, it's not very nice to say that, but I feel like everyone's immediate reaction is to go on the defense. Like, oh my God, no, 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 no. I, I didn't mean it that way. Like, oh, that's not at all what I said, but. Um, and, you know, going on the defense because they don't want to look bad in front of everyone else, even though they've just openly said something really rude. Um, I don't know. I think as time passed, it just made me realize that it's a waste of my energy and they are not deserving of my time. Calling out people has been draining. Like I don't I no longer insert myself into conversation. It's like I'm not even there just because they're not willing to learn. They're not being open minded. They just go on the defense and like try to correct they're not even trying to correct themselves they're just like oh my god I didn't mean it just accept it say you're sorry say you said something ignorant it's fine we you know we all have to learn somewhere but um if they're not ready to learn I just feel like you know why am I spending my time trying to educate you when you are not even willing um yeah I feel like after COVID like oppression has become this sort of race where it's a competition to see who is more oppressed and who is like, it's, I don't know. I feel like no one really has any sort of moral compass. So no, I don't, it's not that I don't feel confident in speaking out um, and calling people out. I just feel like it's a waste of my time. Does your community or culture shame you for what you do and how? Um, I come from a culture where, you know, it's very patriarchal. Um, there's a lot of slut shaming. There's a lot of sexualization. I should say hypersexualization of women of any any form. Um, and unless someone's willing to be a wife or a housemaker, then they're not really even considered women. But the men love sex workers. It's it's it just baffles my mind how they love the service that they receive. And they, you know, they normalize it. It's known in households like, oh, yeah, like your husband's off at a brothel and that's okay. But it's the same men and same women um, who then shame the sex workers, who then shame other women who are even like slightly more independent, who don't need. Again, I'm making this very hetero um, normative, but that is what it's like back home. So, um, yeah, just South Asian culture that taboo itself is seen as sex and let alone you know a woman enjoying sex is seen as even worse um and for someone to be working in the industry making their own money being independent and having their own way about the world is just seen as not good um even here like working at a parlor most of my clients are south asian and most of them are lovely they are really lovely i do love my clients but most of them at the end of the booking or towards the end just go back to like, why are you doing this? You're such a nice girl. You shouldn't be working in a place like this. I'm like, why? you're literally here paying me to keep you company. Why are you then telling me that I shouldn't be working here? If anything, I did like a fantastic job and I should be working here because I'm good at it. So yeah, it's weird how they you know expect women to be all these amazing things and crazy, um, especially sex workers, but then you know, turn around and be like, oh, they're sluts or see you as anything less than a human, just anything but an object. So, yeah. 
Do you worry about your safety and and what steps do you take to keep yourself safe? Um, safety is definitely something I worry about every day. Um, safety in terms of my identity, first of all, and safety at work, just not being in a situation where you can be assaulted or stealth. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of risk that comes with sex work. Um, I am thankful to be working in a parlor where it is, you know, safer than um, other experiences I've had in the past. Um, so in terms of identity, I definitely lie about my ethnicity. I be very generic about when I talk about my past or when I moved here, where I moved from, my culture, just because I don't want to give them the slightest hint of where I am or who I am or where I come from or who I am because that doesn't matter. What matters there is who Rosa is and what she does. Um, yeah, and in terms of posting online, I do have a Twitter, but constantly blur my face, blur out the tattoos because I just don't want anything to trace it trace back to um, who I am. I don't. I would definitely not like my because I'm I'm not out as a worker. I am to my friends, but not to the general public. And a lot a lot of my family do still live back in a different country. So, yeah, um, I feel like protecting my identity identity comes um, is like is my first priority. Um, and other stuff just at work. I'm very specific about the clients I see. Um, though in my parlor, we have intros where you get to meet a client first, speak to them. Um, even if I get different vibes, if I feel like they're maybe a little too drunk to be able to accept no as an answer, or if you can't establish clear boundaries with them, or if they're off, you know, if they say something very racist or call me a slur to begin with, I am definitely not going to go with a client like that because I know if they're acting like that in an intro they're only going to be worse um, and even during the booking just always being high alert making sure their phone's facing the right side up or there's no recording devices there's nothing out there that they could use against me or overpower me in any form of positions that we're in um, yeah I feel like safety is something you're thinking about always not even just at work but even getting there you know making sure no one's following you in or out no one's checking where you go, not getting Ubers from where your work is because, how you know, if, if, if a driver's picking up from there, he knows where you're coming and what you do. So, yeah, I feel like there's so many elements to safety with the work, but um, it is a risk I'm aware about and it is a risk I'm willing to take. So, yeah, I feel like definitely something I also worry about. What was your experience like in the industry when you first started? I first started when I was 18 as an escort. Um, someone I was friends with at uni had fixed me up with this guy who had who was managing a number of girls. Um, only later that I found out that he was reaching out to young ethnic women who had, you know, just moved here, just moved new to the country. They didn't know the laws. They didn't know the rules. So he could just make up whatever he wanted and make you confined, which was not great. Um, before my first shift. So he had arranged for me to see multiple clients and he had been messaging them posing as me. So a lot of the clients were expecting services that I wasn't wanting to do or I wasn't even ready that I hadn't even thought about just because this man had said that I would do it. Um, and also before my shift, I sound so silly to say it out loud, but he had told me that he needed to... Um, test me and see if I would be good at my job so I basically had to perform sexual acts on him 
uh, because, you know, I didn't know any better. I thought it was normal. I thought, you know, I had to do that in order to have the job. He was also charging clients like five, six hundred dollars or more sometimes, but I was only getting paid like a hundred something an hour, which at the time I was like, oh my God, 125 an hour. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, looking back, I was like, wow, that was a very dodgy situation and also very unsafe because he was also posting photos of me, God knows where. I don't know how he was finding these clients. I don't know what type of background check he was doing on them. So yeah, my first experience definitely wasn't very pleasant and it gave me a little bit of trauma, a little bit of um, fear, a little bit of, you know, some of the clients weren't very, very friendly um, and a bit dodge. But um, since then, I did have to take a little bit of time off um, and after giving it a little bit more thought and some research and talking to other workers, um, I started working at a parlor, which has been a completely different experience compared to the first one. It's been much more positive. I feel a lot safer working there. Um, I feel a lot safer with my clients and it's helped me, you know, be better in setting and establishing boundaries in terms of like myself so yeah what was rosa like describe how you see yourself this rosa loves sex rosa is a little pocket rocket i feel like fun confident sexy flirtatious i just love everything about her i feel like she brings out the best in me like she loves having sex and she gets paid to do it and um yeah just I feel like, I honestly feel like the hottest person ever, just putting on that lingerie, looking at yourself, um, you know, fucking your clients, watching all the mirrors. I swear half the time in the bookings, I'm just looking at myself, like not even paying attention to the client. And I love it. Um, and I love how much I've discovered about myself being Rosa, what I like, like not just sexually, just, yeah, just everything about her is just some, it's, she, it's, I know it's a personality I put on for the clients, but it's something that's inside me and a part of me. And I love how, you know, bits and pieces of her, I'm talking about her like a different person, but a bits and pieces of my personality at work is now bleeding through to my life and making me a better person and a more confident version of myself through work. What is one advice you'd like to give to other sex workers of color? Don't let anyone else define who you are. Um, yeah, I feel like it's really easy to get lost and listen to what pe other people say and start doubting yourself, feel like you're not good enough, feel like you're not doing enough. But at the end of the day, people will talk. You just, it's really hard to channel it out um, and not, you know, you can't not listen to it it when people say things or you know make comments at you and make you try to put you down but you're just gonna stay strong believe in yourself and just know that you are enough and not let those words get to you milan is a polynesian migrant of color who has been a full service sex worker for five years Milan moved to Nam in 2012, almost 11 years ago. She will be a citizen next year. Milan has been on visa, which has provided her indefinite stay, but no government support. The most pressing issue Milan wants to advocate for is decriminalization 
safety of workers not only from clients but also from managers and sex worker peers milan wants to challenge internalized homophobia classism and racism in and out of the industry so what was your first day at work like what did you feel I remember feeling extremely nervous to be in a new environment and around new people. When I walked into the back room, there were a few girls just finishing day shift and they all asked me my name and I stupidly said my real name to one girl. But I did pick up quickly not to use my real name and use my work name. I had one girl ask my reception to show me around and talk through how the booking goes I was shown rooms, how to set up the room for a booking, and then she talked me through like health checks and some ideas on what to say in the intro. I done well on my first night, as you do when you are new, but I do remember feeling really overwhelmed with all the new information and kind of just learning as I go in a sense. Why did you get in the industry and how did you feel about it? Well, looking back, leading up to me join joining the industry i um at the time was working at an office job and i was feeling pretty stuck in a sense of like i was extremely exhausted dealing with aches and pains from that exhaustion looking back now i had um adhd burnout so i was struggling a lot mentally and physically and when i tried to take time off like much needed time off that i needed to to decompress and kind of get my energy levels back up the management just pretty much wasn't okay with that they made me feel really bad for it so that in turn stressed me out even more because i don't like feeling like i'm in trouble when i have a job and sometimes at a job you just feel like you're in trouble all the time so i just remember feeling really stuck and knowing that i physically mentally even psychologically can't do this 9 to 5 office job anymore not because i don't necessarily like it but because of things like feeling exhausted um needing to take frequent breaks and also all the weird social stuff and social protocol was also draining me as well um and i don't know how i actually thought of it really but i did work as a receptionist for like a hot 5 seconds um in another town that i worked at that's like um about 10 hours away from here and um i do remember the receptionist that was training me um saying to me that you know the girls they just come in when they want to come in they can leave when they want to leave um they kind of make their own schedule along those lines and i somehow just thought of that and was like well you know what i'm just going to look at places to work um because yeah like i really need this time off or i'm just whatever's working for me right now just isn't working well whatever's happening right now isn't working for me So I looked at places online and um found a place that looked alright. Wasn't the worst place. Um just obviously the normal management problems and stuff, but um yeah, I started working there and um did really well like I said on my first night like most new people do. 
And I was literally like, well, I just earned my whole entire week's paycheck in one night and I can literally sleep for the rest of the week if I have to, which I did. So um, basically why I joined the industry was because it gave me the much needed flexibility and the finances as well that I needed to survive as someone who unfortunately just can't rely on nine to five work. Do you trust men, managers, cops, organizations, peers easily? I don't. Um, I don't trust people easily anyway, but in this situation, I definitely feel like I can't trust. Um when you are a sex worker of colour, people do have a preconceived idea of you. So that usually um, dictates how your interactions with them are going to go and how they're going to treat you. So like managers can be homophobic themselves and on a power trip. Um, also, your peers can be quite competitive, classist and racist as well. So I've had to deal with a little bit of that. Um and organizations can sometimes not always have certain sex workers' interests at heart. And also with the police, that just goes without saying. Um, when you are a sex worker of color, you really don't know what you're going to get when it comes to another person in those situations. So I always just tend to keep my wits about me, but I definitely don't trust those people. So, do you feel seen in those sex worker solidarity in Australia? I don't feel seen. Um, I don't feel represented either. I feel it's very rooted in white feminism and classism. Um, and there's certain workers, white workers, that pretty much dictate who the solidarity goes to and. Very rarely we hear voices from sex workers of colour who aren't even just from Australia, but from third world countries, you know, non-native English speakers. It's very much a social climbing thing and I don't feel like they they really want to hear from those type of workers that don't fit their idea of aesthetic, that they're very much gatekeeping opportunities because of class and their own internalized racism. So I don't really feel seen in that. And that's something that I've picked up in my five years of working, seeing, you know, meeting all different kinds of workers, seeing who's popular on Instagram. Yeah, based off what I've seen. Tell a story where you were not supported. Um... I've lost count, if I'm honest. The main things were always me being expected to be quiet, like about things that weren't right involving women of colour, um, like along those lines, because it made white workers extremely uncomfortable when I would broach the subject. So, Is the industry racist and anti-immigrant, and in what ways? Yes, I believe that it is. I think that, obviously, all colonised countries... Um, have like racist and anti-immigrant behavior but 
um, the way it manifested in the industry was basically first a false fellowship um, when you first get to know people and then as time went on, the mask would start to fall. So you would just see white workers unable to hide their disdain for immigrant workers or workers of colour and workers that they don't find to be on the same level as them class-wise, very much classes. Um, I've seen white workers say extremely nasty things about women of colour when they're doing well, like a lot to do with natural or implying that women of colour do natural, especially women from third world countries or non-native English-speaking countries. Um, I've heard them say things about them being fetishized and that's the only reason why they're getting booked or you know making comments about how they um do things for cheap and stuff like that when they have been doing well so I find that very racist and I find that anti-immigrant because it's just another way of saying well they're taking our jobs for this that and the other thing so those are some of the things that I noticed manifested um, when it came to being racist and anti-immigrant. So at work, do you feel confident in setting boundaries, speaking your mind and sometimes calling out people? I feel confident definitely with clients setting all those boundaries um, that needed to be set. Um, though it's not just about between you and the client as well it's for you and the your fellow sex workers and then also your managers as well um and I think that I didn't really have the best boundaries with my relationships with my work peers and my managers because I didn't know any better and I didn't have, say, the privilege of, like, coming from a functional family like most. So when I was in an industry like that, I um, was definitely vulnerable to being treated unfairly and just having negative interactions with other people because I wasn't really aware of what they were actually doing. So as far as when it comes to clients, absolutely. Um, but when it actually came to the environment itself, there were times where I wasn't so sure about what was going on. Does your community or culture shame you for what you do and how? Yes, absolutely. Um, being out was never an option for me because coming from New Zealand and being Polynesian, People are very judgmental and shame things like having lots of sex or being a sex worker. It'll just be complete misogyny from all of them, judgment. And the reason why is I don't want my family to have to deal with people talking amongst themselves about me and them having to feel shame. Even though I know it's nothing to be ashamed of, Unfortunately, in my culture, that's just how people are most of the time. So that's kind of why I feel 
a bit, you know, a little bit, I don't know the exact word for it, but I feel like when you're a woman of color, you're the things that you do that can be considered scandalous or negative, you get judged 10 times harder than other people because those cultures can deal with shame in different ways because they've had to deal with it because they've been shamed so much, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It was something that I heard, something I'll never tell anybody. Unfortunately, I was outed to my parents, but I don't think they've told anybody. Um, but, yeah. So definitely not something you can be out about when you're a Polynesian. How do you navigate sex work and family or friends? Well, my family didn't know. Um, I hid that from them because I didn't feel like they had to know. And obviously there's so many like preconceived ideas and judgments that you've got to receive. Um, so I didn't tell them at all, like I just said. But I also felt this extreme guilt. And, like, sometimes I'll just be lying there at night and I'd feel so guilty and, like, I'm doing the most horrible thing, hiding a secret from my parents like this. Um, when it came to friends, like, most of my friends, because I had just moved to Melbourne and started working, most of my friends were from the industry. Um, the ones that weren't, a select few knew what I was doing and they were mostly women and they weren't judgmental, so I felt safe with them. But... Um, As far as family, definitely something I didn't want them to know. Unfortunately, I was outed. So my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, decided that he was going to out me as a form of abuse and humiliation because he had just been yelling at me for um, hours and hours on end because I asked a question about something that he didn't like. Um so like usually he'd tirate for hours on end and I called my mum because I couldn't handle it anymore and he didn't like that and he just said you were a fucking prostitute like for her to hear so that was great um so there's some trauma there about being outed I don't think anyone should be outed I think it just makes things so much complicated for them so navigating sex work um and family and friends has been difficult for me along with all the other guilt and shame that I was raised having to feel about making my own decisions and things. Would you like to be a part of a sex worker-led union where we read, study and find new ways to support each other? I definitely would. I feel like um, the sex worker-based community needs more women of colour in a supportive role to help other women of colour especially ones that come from third world countries or like people who've immigrated here who don't have any family and don't have anyone they can rely or lean on and can be quite confused about how the community works or how the culture works. Um, Even things that they might need help with like tax or filling out forms can be difficult. So I think that I would be a part of that so I could help other sex workers and support them does the world hate sex workers do they hate you more because of where you come from or what you look like or speak like yes the world does hate sex workers misogyny um they hate women that have sex 
they hate women in general and they hate women that make their own money and don't have their own, basically their own independence. So a sex worker is all three in one. So they definitely hate sex workers. They hate what they what they represent in some places. So they hate that they represent women who choose to get paid to have sex instead of giving it over as like some subservient. Um, they don't like, I guess they don't like all the sex that a woman has. You know, men like to call women dirty, but really that's just a projection. I personally think that this is because they're jealous or because they feel like they don't measure up to all the women that she slept with and, and it intimidates them. And then there's also people who are partnered um, who view sex workers as a threat. So some women, obviously misogyny, would view some women sex workers as a threat because they feel like it gives their partner a platform to cheat when obviously in reality if he loved you he wouldn't cheat on you regardless and if there was no sex workers ever in the world he'd still find a way to cheat so there's lots of things that people get riled up about with sex work it's misogynistic it's built in the patriarchy and those things also build on women's insecurities which is why some women would also hate sex workers and men's insecurities, which is why they would hate sex workers. So, definitely. We have come to the end of episode one. We'd like to thank Race Matters for giving us a space to share our stories. A personal thanks to Sharika for making room for our needs and wants, and understanding and encouraging the nuances of the process, from outreaching the participants to including everyone's individual needs. While outreaching, I had a lot to reflect on why there is the hesitancy in us to take space. Partly because of how our trust has been taken for granted in the past, in and outside of our community. And partly because time is money and we fully understand the value of our experiences and stories. I think what I'm trying to say is that I'm incredibly moved by the zeal of everyone who came forward and shared their stories. I'm in awe of their wisdom that came through their own choice and experience. I'm grateful by how my vision for migrant sex workers to take space resonated with them. I'm inspired by the solidarity we found sharing with each other. One of my other dreams is also to create a space where sex workers from all ways of life can come together to find strength in each other, no matter our differences, because we all deserve community and together we are stronger. And again, time is money and we are deserving of so much more. In case one has some spare dollars to throw, we'd love you to give them to us so we can pay everyone more and put the rest towards mutual aid. Get in touch on ragingrani at the rate gmail.com or find the bank details in the description below. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters.